Well, we are continuing our sermon series today called Out of Darkness, our journey through the book of Exodus. And last week, if you were here, we we covered Exodus chapter 11 and 12 and the final plague, the death of the firstborn, and then the departure, the Exodus itself, out of the country of Egypt. Now, fast forward three months in Israel's timeline. Now, three months later, we land in Exodus chapter 19. So if you have your Bible today or your app, open up to Exodus 19, and we're going to see where Israel lands in this chapter. Now, questions of identity seem to be a hot topic in today's culture. I mean, how, how do you identify yourself is often the question asked. But how do you identify yourself, say, vocationally? Dorian and I just had this conversation uh, yesterday morning, sitting on the couch. You know, quite often as a pastor, I'm introduced as, you know, this is Dave, he's our pastor. And Dory gets introduced sometimes or known as a pastor's wife. Now, you might be introduced or be known as a farmer. You know, you might identify yourself as a mom. You might be identify yourself as a student. You know, we, we connect ourselves to our vocation. But how about our identities, spiritually speaking? Because that question of identity impacts us for life. So today we want to look at what the Bible says about our identity. We're going to look at how God identified the people of Israel and then how, how uh, we ourselves are identified and looked at through God's eyes. So Exodus chapter 19, where we're at today, the first few verses, let me give you some background. If you remember a few sermons ago, uh, Moses encountered God at Mount Sinai um, in chapter 3. And God, he he encounters God at the burning bush. And there, uh, God gives him this mission to free Israel from Egypt. And then at that same time, God promised to bring Moses back to Mount Sinai. And now... Months later, he's back there. And as, as we look forward in, in the biblical timeline, Israel actually stays at Mount Sinai for almost a year. And, and the next 59 chapters in your Bible um, encounter and cover Israel being at the base of Mount Sinai. And chapters 19, verses 1 through 6, has been described as the heart of the Old Testament. And I love that because in these verses, it describes what God has done to save his people, but it also describes what's expected of them as his people, and it reveals his deepest desires for their ultimate destiny. So with that framework in mind, let's take a look at these first six verses of Exodus 19. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, They came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. And how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. 
Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Did you notice the three things that, that God refers to his people as? When it comes to their identity, he says you are treasured possessions, a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. In this verse, it just reminds us, and it comes down to this, that God passionately pursues his people. That's really the story behind Exodus 19. And from within these verses, we can hear God's desire for an intimate relationship with us. So what does that look like? Well, first and foremost, we are loved. We are special in God's eyes. Because in verse 5 of Exodus 19, I love how he puts it, out of all the nations, you are my treasured possession. In other words, we're God's own possession. Now, the Lord of the Rings fan, if you're, if you're into that, you know, they would be my precious, the ring that they just hang on to. And I love, love how God says it, out of all the people, out of all the nations in the world at that time, he chooses them. Man, that just communicates value, doesn't it? That communicates love. Now, the, create, the Creator God selected this seemingly insignificant nation. Remember, last week we talked about Egypt, the powerhouse nation in the world at the time, literally wiped off the map by God's power. And God chooses this nation of slaves, this nation of blue-collar workers, chosen from the world to be utmost valuable in His eyes. And not just as a treasure, but His personal treasure. This really goes back to Genesis chapter 12, and when God spoke to one of the patriarchs named Abraham. And when he, took, when he called Abraham, he said in Genesis 12 that I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. So with Abraham, now Abraham had a son named Isaac and Isaac had a son named Jacob and Jacob later in his life, God changed his name to Israel. And Jacob had a son named Joseph, and Joseph went to Egypt and really kind of opened the door for Israel to enter Egypt. And that's what we talked about earlier when what brought him to Egypt itself. So now by virtue of God's own will, by his own desire, he, makes, he calls these people his own. He says, the whole earth is mine. God can do what he pleases. He's God, we're not, and he is pleased to make Israel his own. And last week we, we talked about the Passover event and, and how uh, the sacrifice of a lamb was required to, to drop Israel out of Egypt. Blood was required to be shed and put on the door frames of the house. And, and be, because Israel in and of themselves were not special in their own right. I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't from their own, uh, their own skill, their own ability that they were special. No, it's because they needed the blood of the Lamb to protect them. So God is just honoring what he, what he told Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. And now God draws them out as his special possession. So why, why, this tre why is he treasured? Because he desires to have a relationship with them. 
The biblical scholar and commentator Philip Ryken puts it this way, in these verses which span the past, the present, and the future, God reminded Israel what he had done to deliver them. He also told them why he had done it and what plans he had for their future. And then he goes on to say, and I love this part, he says, really everything else in the Old Testament and indeed everything else in history can be explained in terms of the relationship described in these verses. So when we, when we read the rest of Scripture, really all of Scripture, it's all about relationships that God wants to have with us. It's about what God has done for us, why He did it, what His plans for us, and it's all because He has, wants to have a personal relationship. And that's why He sent Jesus to the cross in our place. So our identity who we are, it's found in and based on our relationship with Jesus. So want to know your identity? You want to discover that? Then look to Jesus and what he says about you. Look to God's word and what it says about you. Now we might not feel very precious. We might not feel like a treasured possessions. Because I know some days we just we struggle to get through the day, don't we? We wake up and we, and we struggle with our children, we struggle at our job, and we're consumed with life, we're consumed by raising small children, and we just feel like a failure day after day after day. We always feel like we're behind, we're overwhelmed, we, you know, life becomes overwhelming at times. And even though we might not seem like, you know, things are good, we might, we might not seem like we're feeling valued. Whatever our struggle is, we are God's treasure because it's not based on what we have done. It's not based on your accomplishments or how good looking you are. It's based on what God has done for us. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are drawn close to our creator for a relationship. So that passionate pursuit by God leads us to a, a unique life, a unique life of service, because not only are we loved, we, we also serve. We serve our God in the midst of this world where he has put us. Now Israel, when, it, when, he, when they were called out of Egypt, there at Mount Sinai, God gives them a new purpose. He says, he calls them a kingdom of priests. You got to wonder why I refer to that. This hasn't been mentioned at all in Scripture up until this point. Well, a priest is a representative of God, isn't he? They represent God to the people of Israel and Israel before God. But they also reflect God to the world as his representative. And a priest is devoted to a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of ministry. And they would make God's way known to the nations of, of where they live. So God really desired to re reveal more of himself, not just to Israelite, but to all the nations in the world. And this would become really clear 40 years later when they enter into the land of Canaan. And because of Israel being a holy nation, they just make God known as the one true God. They are called to be distinct, to stand out from the crowds. And that purpose, it goes back to this idea of relationship. Israel as priests create, create this avenue of relationship that God desired to have with the people. 
And, and later on, as we read like the book of Leviticus and on, this, this idea of priesthood and worship grows into this elaborate sacrificial religious system that involved a lot of sacrificing of animals, of, of offerings, and, and just a lot of things of rituals that they needed to maintain that relationship. And sometimes we, we, look at those, we look at those sacrificial systems and what they had to do, and we think, man, that was you know, not necessary, but God required that because he wanted a relationship. So, so but before we try to forget this idea of priesthood and priest, let's fast forward a little bit to the New Testament. Because in, in the New Testament, the same idea of priesthood is there for us as Jesus followers. It says in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it talks about the purpose that we have. 1 Peter 2 verse 4 says, As you come to him, the living stone, which is referring to Jesus, as you come to Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you, it's referring to us, you are a chosen priesthood, chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Journey, that is the language of Exodus 19. God calls us out of darkness so that we may declare the praises of him. Theologians call that the, the priesthood of all believers, and that, that includes us. Now, you might not think of yourself as a priest, but Scripture refers to the, as Jesus' followers. We have this thing called the priesthood of all, of all believers. And that simply means that, you know, in God's eyes, there's no hierarchy of a priesthood. We all have equal access to God through Jesus Christ, through our faith in him. But as God's precious people, he gives us a purpose. And that purpose is it's not simply just, he doesn't simply just call us to salvation, but he calls us to service. He calls us to ministry. He calls us to represent Jesus in the world in which we live. And sometimes it's hard to, to wrap our brains around that, isn't it? Because with our salvation comes this new job description, this new purpose that we have, to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Well, that ties to our, our third point today, and they really go together. With this new purpose, we are to reflect. We reflect God to the world. That's the idea behind Israel being a holy nation. The word holy simply means that God has set them apart. So like you said, out of all the nations, out of all the people that are out there, God takes Israel, sets them apart, sets them distinct and separate for his purposes so that he can be used. And they're to be holy just as God is holy, set aside as distinct to be a reflection of who God is to all the other nations around them. And through his people, this holy nation, God would then uh, reach out to other nations. So fast forward to us today. Scripture calls us to be a holy people. 
So what does that mean for us? It means that God calls us out of, out of the world's thinking, out of the world's culture, out of what, what our culture says today is important. And God says, I want you to be distinct. I want you to be holy, set apart for my purposes. So that really influences how we live, doesn't it? It influences the choices we make. It influences how we act with our neighbors, how we act at work. It influences the language that we use, the, what we watch on TV. It influences how we interact with those who don't know Jesus. And back in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Journey, God has a purpose for us. And it begins by just stepping into this idea that, you know, God has called you to be different in a good way. God has called you to be distinct. God has called you to be holy. So our identity as this priesthood of all believers, it has this missional component. This idea of reflecting Jesus to the world in which we live. This missional identity that was given to Israel at Mount Sinai is now fulfilled in the church today. So the church is, is this people chosen by God. This church is this kingdom of priests so that we can make God known to the world. And God has set each of us apart for his purposes. And you know what? We need to step into that journey. We need to step into what God has called us to do, what God has called you to do, so that we can influence not just Wayne, America, but all of Nebraska and all of the world. So that, that means when you're at work, you are a reflection of Jesus. With your coworkers, with your boss, with the people that report to you. That means in your family, you are a reflection of Jesus with your spouse, with your children. That, that means you're... you're in, you're instituting and implementing Christian principles, Christian beliefs into your family. You know, when we live gospel-centered lives, when we're shining Jesus wherever we at, it's going to make people curious, and it's going to provoke questions. And, you know, you've heard me say before that we're called to live curious lives. And by that I mean people are going to wonder why you do what you do. Why you're different, you know, why you act the way you do. And when they ask those questions or when, they, when those things do come up, we can point people to Jesus. You know, Exodus chapter 19 is a great summary of Israel's pilgrimage. It's this idea of, of bringing them out, but not just bringing them out, lifting them up on eagle's wings, it says lifting them up to, to make them his own. And as he, as he lifts them up, he draws them close to himself. And that reflects our own journey, doesn't it? God brings us out of darkness. He draws us out of the slavery of sin. And Jesus breaks the strongholds that sin can have on our lives. And when he does that, he, he lifts us up. He rescues us. He gives you and us a new purpose in him. And he draws us close to himself because you are God's treasured possession. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up this morning.
And as they do journey, Jesus died so that we can be God's chosen people. Jesus died so that we can be God's treasured possession. And Jesus died so that we can reveal God to the nations. So who are we? We are loved, and we have this job of shining Jesus to the world. This is our identity. This is who we are. So whoever you are, wherever you are, this is who we are in Christ. You know, God's mission to the world matters. It's central to who we are. It's central to what we're about. It's central to the Bible story. It's central to the book of Exodus. And it's central to our story. So God passionately pursued Israel. And he passionately pursues us. He pursues you. Why? Because he wants all the world to know him and to believe in him. Will you pray with me? Father, we want to thank you for this section of scripture from Exodus that reminds us just of how precious we are, how loved we are by you. But Lord, we also thank you for the mission that it reminds us of that we have in you to shine who you are to wherever we are. So, Father, we thank you that you make this possible through Jesus. And, Lord, I pray that we can surrender our lives to him this day. We pray in his name.